so yeah, today, going back to uh, what we first talked about, our, our first mission field, um, which is funny. I asked my wife about that, you know, you know, this concept of the first mission field being the home and, and our wives, and she's like, what am I, some like lost people group? Um, and I said, no, no, it's not like that. But, but uh, you know, as I thought about it, um, it's a little strange if you think about it. You go to the missions field, but it fits. You go to the missions field, you got to um, – I haven't mastered the language. Have you guys? It's kind of the whole Venus versus Marsh, Marsh, uh, Mars thing. Um, but anyway, I, just, I guess. The point I, wa I want to make here um, is that we, we spent a lot of time – walking through this as we went through the book Covenant Marriage. You all probably remember that. It was uh, something like felt like years ago now. But um, uh, and I, I, I don't, I'm not going to cover that whole, that whole book, uh, obviously, this morning. I actually just want to take kind of a, a narrow focus. Um, and so the focus I want to take today is looking in particular at Ephesians 5.23. Uh, and uh, if you guys can just open your Bibles to that about the role of the husband uh, and, and the role of the father. I think it, it, it might think about it well. So, so you, you all can read up there. Um, let me just open it there and read from the book. <coughs> For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. Now, the thing I want to focus on this morning is this word head. It's kephale in the Greek, and it actually can have several meanings. It can mean your physical head. It can mean like the head or the beginning of something. So you think of the headwaters uh, of, of, of a river. Um, and, and it can mean the superior, someone, who, someone or something that is superior to okay, or head of another. And that is the meaning here. Maybe it's obvious to you all. But it's important because despite what our equalitarian culture will tell us, okay, this is the meaning. And if you struggle with being the house, if you struggle with being the head of your wife and you refuse to take that, you're not reading the text correctly. It's just the way it is. Um, so, so the first thing I, I want us to remember is you have to be the head of your household. You have to raise. Uh, you have to rise up to that occasion. Um, now, don't park your truck quite there yet, because there's a little more to the to to the text here. Okay, uh, it also reads, uh, "As Christ is also head of the church, He Himself being Savior of the body." So it's talking about Christ as the head of the church by comparison, and I I, I want to consider this. And what does it mean? that Christ is the head of the church, and further, what does it mean for the husband or the father who's called to be the head of the house? First, we've got to recall that um, Christ has all authority, right? This is pretty elementary stuff this morning. He says it himself, um, you know, in Matthew 20, 18, all authority has been given to me. And likewise, throughout the scripture, all authority of Christ, uh, Christ the authority of Christ all over is, is, is clear. And I've given you all the scriptures, some of the scriptures that, that support that. The second thing is that he's had that authority from the beginning. John 1 tells us this, right? John 1, 4. Um, he didn't need to earn his authority or his place as the head of the church. 
It was always his. But his actions demonstrate that he never exercised that authority outside of service or sacrifice. He died on the cross for the church. That's how he, ways in which he exercised that authority. Um, in other words, he didn't, he, didn't earn, he didn't need to earn anything to gain his position, but he treated his position uh, as though it so he took, uh, that, that he treated his position knowing the responsibility that he had. Now, think about this. You, on the other hand, as, as a husband and a father, or a future husband or, or father, um, you were or will be given authority as head of your household. And it's going to be authority you didn't earn. You may think you did, but that's just called courting. That's called dating. Okay, your wife is not going to say, "Oh, yeah, that you paid the price there. <laughs> you know, took us, took me out to dinner." No, um, no. <coughs> you didn't necessarily do anything to merit the gift of marriage and fatherhood. It's a gift from God. Um, one one needs to get a license to be married. I'll grant you that, but you can you could pretty much get a license these days. You know. With the purchase of a box of Cracker Jacks, right? They're giving away marriage licenses for anything, uh, and you sure didn't need to need to have a license to have a kid, right? Which is sometimes neglectful. I want to consider this for a second. More than 19.7 million children, more than one in four kids in America today, are living in a home without a father. That's four times. They're four times more likely to go into poverty. Seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. Two times more likely to drop out of school. They're far more likely to commit crimes, spend time in prison, abuse drugs and alcohol uh, than kids who have fathers. So yeah, we live in a culture where fatherhood is obviously diminished and we live in a world where fatherhood is diminished. And I'd love to see us be the change in that dynamic. But God, so you, you read those statistics and, and, and you see that you've been given this great authority not without necessarily proving your worth first. And you've got to ask yourself, is God crazy? No, no, he knows what he's doing. Um, the problem comes if you've, it's been bestowed on you simply because, and thus you're chosen. Um, but I want you to know that you're given authority as Christ has been given authority. Okay, that little conjunction up there, the as, it's os in the Greek, that's significant. You are to handle authority as Christ does, who, though he didn't need to earn it, acted like he did. God never confers a position without responsibility. He has a history of trusting people in positions that never really demonstrated qualification to do those things because he's faithful and trusting. Okay, and sometimes his choices make, don't make a lot of sense. Okay, he gave position to Adam through the Adamic covenant. Without Adam doing it. In fact, Adam turned around and messed it up pretty bad. Um, he gave it to Abraham through the Abrahamic covenant. Again, Ab Abraham didn't do anything to deserve it. He gave it to the Israelites by giving the law to Moses, the Mosaic covenant, right? What did they do with it? They certainly didn't do anything to deserve it. And he certainly gives it to us through our position that was bought at the cross. And brothers, you and I know we did nothing to deserve that. But God gave us this position, all right? The point is, when God gives us a position, when he confers a position on you, 
It may not be because we looked at your great track record and decided you earned it. And I don't think this is the case even with marriage and father. Go in having to prove your track record. Um, and I think that's, that's evidence, sadly, when, when, when we read about so many undeserving men who abuse their spouses or neglect or abandon their children. Okay. So then we've been given this privilege of being the head, the kephalah of our wives and our children. Uh, and the question is, as we talked about, God gave position, but he expects, he expects a response. So how do we respond? And I, I want to I just quickly talk about that this morning. Um, there's a, there's a, a number of ways that we, we need to respond. And if you haven't read Covenant Marriage, if, if, if you weren't here for that series, uh, go read that book. Because it, it, it really does cover uh, what it means to have a godly marriage, to be a godly fo- uh, husband, and in turn, you know, the character that you need to have to, to, to be a godly father. Um, so, so we can't cover that, but I want to I just look at one thing. Um, so I want you to look, turn with me, if you will, uh, to Romans 2, 25 through 29. And yeah, this is relevant. And I'm just going to read this and talk about this in a little, for a little bit. Find it here. For indeed, circumcision is of value. If you practice, if you're a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not the uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you who, though having the letter of the law and the circumcision, are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. So, what Paul's talking here specifically about, as you all know, because you've been sitting through Romans since how long now? Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, deeply. You know this. You, you know this book better than anybody. And you know here he's talking about about Jews in Rome that are claiming their position uh, of superiority and authority based on the law given to them. Okay, and there's a whole bunch of stuff to these verses that I'm obviously not going to talk about this morning. Uh, I actually um, uh, all having to do with you know the Jews and the Gentiles. But uh, what, I, what I do want to back to um, is, is this part. Uh, and sorry, I guess I should have thought through the red a little better. Uh, but you can read in your, you sh- you can read in your, in your, in your Bibles. I want to I focus through uh, w- what it is to be um, one who is not a Jew outwardly, okay, or having an outward circumcision, uh, but one who is a Jew inwardly, and that circumcision which is of the heart. Because one thing Paul is saying here, uh, he says that the true Jew, the one deserving of position, right, is the one who is a Jew, a keeper of the law, who is holy inwardly. And indeed, the true man of God is the one who's circumcised, okay, permanently altered in his soul, in his inner being, in his heart, in his cardia, okay, which is the word there, by the Spirit. 
not to the one who points to the law that's over here and says, this gives me justification, but the one who has taken Christ into his heart. Right? So Paul's drawing a very distinct, dis- sharp distinction between the inner person and the outward appearance. Um, so when you look at that word the, uh, inwardly there in your Bibles, or if you can read it up there, that word, kruptos, uh, it's an adjective, okay? Don't, don't be fooled by the L-Y ending, my, my grammarians out there. Um, but it's actually an adjective in the Greek, uh, and it means here secret or hidden. In other words, God measures your worth in your fulfilling the position that he's blessed you with in part, maybe entirely, on your hidden person. Or still other words, the things you do in secret, the person you are when no one else can see, that's what matters most to God or matters very much to God, okay? Because he sees it all. We all know Psalm 139, right? God, you search me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You know everything about me. And yeah, before that thought is even on your tongue, he knows it completely. So God knows us in these places. And that's not something... uh, to run away from or be fearful for. It's just a way to order your life. Um, So the true measure of the person you are, the husband and the father you are, the child of God, it's not your outward appearance in a vacuum, okay, like the Jews were that Paul was talking about. Uh, Rather, it's the extent to which your outward appearance is the person you are in kruptos, the person you are internally, inside, in secret. Here's what I don't want you to take away. This is not about being invisible externally until you're perfect internally, okay? Otherwise, none of us can step foot outside of our houses. Me being most among you, okay? Um, We are not perfect. We're, We're sinners, and that's what we're stuck with. But we, we become less so every single day, and, and that's what we're talking about here um, when we're walking with, with, with God. So this is, in some sense, about achieving balance and harmony between your inner person and your outer person. Okay, It's about being both authentic and being earnest in your effort to conform to the image of the, of the Son, as Romans 8.29 teaches. And that's what this is about at the end of the day. Why are we here? It's not a rhetorical question. Why are we here? To conform to the image of Christ, the gift that God has given us, that Christ gave us on the cross. Um, is walk, having our salvation towards sanctification to be one day like him, perfect. Um, so, okay, now you're wondering, perhaps, you know, what does this have to do with family? What does this have to do with marriage? Um, I, only everything, I think. Because no one's going to observe more readily and no one will be hurt more deeply by your living different lives inwardly and outwardly than your wives or your children. They see it all. They live it all. They're with you day in and day out. Um, I can't tell you how many times, and I, I, I pray that my wife never, never says this, has to say this, but I can't tell you how many times I've heard Women of godly men say, you just don't know him in the home. And I, I'm, 
you work in a church for three years and, and you, you walk, you try to walk with Christ and you get around a lot of Christians and suddenly you start to realize men are broken and I'm seeing marriages fail because, because of not stepping up the plate, because of just neglect, abuse. I, it, it's happening uh, and, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Um, so, so I think all of that has to do in some big part because the people that are like that are this person on the outside and this person on the inside, Jekyll and Hyde. Okay, and that's where the problem is because the guy who's on the outside, you know, in, if you're in these groups and you're that guy on the outside, these are the men who need to surround you and have access to that inner guy to help you work it out. Okay, so... Um, so it begins uh, with being, uh, while well being a godly husband and father starts by, by laying hold of that position as head of your family, the first thing you need to do is realize the responsibility you've been given, which is a glorious and wonderful thing. Um, every step, every minute, every inch of your life thereafter proceeds on the basis of you earning that privileged position you hold. Um, and it begins by following Christ in your inner being, in your secret life, and in your your hidden places, and being authentic so that your inner life doesn't conflict with your outer image. Uh, and, and it begins with owning and wrestling some of the sins that you, no, not some of the sins, all of the sins that you struggle with, one at a time. Um, I'll just say this one thing. Um, don't take on everything at once. If you're struggling with a lot of stuff, try and figure out what the what's one thing urgent thing that you need to get some traction on, right? The one thing that's affecting your marriage the most, okay? When I, when I studied for the bar uh, back in, um, they said one thing to me. They said, okay, for the next six months, you're going to do nothing but study for this, this test, nothing else. And they said, okay, that means now's not the time to quit smoking if you smoke. Now's not the time to quit drinking if you drink. Now's not the time to go on a diet if you eat too much, okay? You gotta prioritize. Those things are all gonna, you know, you take care of those afterwards. And, and that's always been something that I've taken with me, a little bit of secular wisdom that actually makes sense to me. So tackle the, tackle the, the first thing, the, the, as, as Dallas would say, the alligator closest to the boat, right? Um, all right, so let me just finish up here. Um, the key here is, is that and, and I, and I want to walk with all of you brothers through this because I need it myself. Following Christ in your inner self, your secret self, okay, if, if you can get to that point where that inner person is the one who's following Christ, that inner person is the one walking by the Spirit, um, modeling Christ with your outer being, that's just going to come naturally. You don't need to think about it. You need to worry about who the outward person is. Uh, and being a godly uh, husband and a godly dad, um, you, you you really, you don't need a seminar. You, you don't need a book. Um, you don't even need a base camp series. Uh, it just takes you being, um, being the man that God intended you to be and spending some time with him and letting him in so that the true Christ that's in you can shine. Uh, all right, so with that, I'm going to give you some questions here, and I'm going to pray for us. But a couple of things just to consider this morning. Uh, what have you done to earn your position as a husband or a father? And what are some examples of that that you can share with others? I know we've got a lot of awesome, awesome husbands and fathers in this room. Um, 
share your wisdom. Uh, have you ever abused your position as a husband or father? And if you're willing to talk about that, discuss your experience. How did it work out for you? Um, if you're struggling now with some of these things and you can talk about it with your brothers, that's awesome. Uh, and finally, does your inner self match your outward appearance? How or how not? Okay, so let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you that we can gather together here, that we can turn to your word, to your wisdom, and to you, Holy Spirit, for guidance, for direction, uh, to be the men that you call us to be, to be the husbands that you call us to be, to be the fathers that you, you call us to be. Father, you are the perfect father. Jesus, you are the perfect husband of the bride, the church. You gave it all for us. Help us to give it all to those we love in response to your love. Help us to walk through this week uh, just being a little different, a little more like you. We ask these things in your precious son's name. Amen. <laughs>